And the name of tonight's message is Spirit-Empowered Words. And you heard Pastor Melton recap this uh, at the beginning, but the idea, I know we have some guys who are here tonight who weren't here last week, and so last week I was sharing this, this idea that it doesn't really matter how much power is under the hood if you leave it in neutral. That's wasted power. And in the same way as Christ followers, we've been given access to this uncomparable, extraordinary power through the Holy Spirit. But isn't it easy to live in such a way where we don't really access it and live from it? And so that was a picture I believe God, God gave us for this course is that, that he wants to awaken us. He wants to inspire us in ways he wants to equip us just to more and more begin to hit that accelerator and experience some of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so tonight we're going to talk about uh, one way that that can happen in your life. It's biblical, it's practical, and it is powerful. And I'm talking about the gift of prophecy. I'm talking about speaking prophetically, speaking life to the people uh, in, in your life. Now, I realize that with this many guys in the room, that when I say the word prophecy, some of you have kind of this internal aversion to that, where there's something within you that kind of pushes away from that. Or some of you might even hear the, the Twilight Zone theme song in your head, do-do-do-do-do-do, ooh, that's prophecy. Isn't that for the weird people? So I'm not sure what your experience has been with the prophetic. I would imagine some of you might approach this topic and be a little bit leery of it because it's been used in your life to manipulate and control and people perhaps used it as a God stick to beat you upside the head to say, this is what God is saying you must do. But I want to start tonight, guys, by just saying that no matter what the wrapping of the gift looked like to you, the gift itself is really good. The gift itself is really good. And, and the, the purpose of prophecy is not to manipulate. It's not to control. It's not to be a God stick. But the purpose is to bring life which is what we're going to talk about tonight. And so I want to take a closer look at what is the purpose of the gift of prophecy. Now, uh, prophecy is mentioned all the way throughout Scripture. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. And in fact, in Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the believers and the, the church is birthed in Acts 2, there was a lot of confusion regarding what was happening. People were perplexed. They did not, they could not wrap their minds around what their eyeballs were staring at. And, and so they said, these, these people are drunk. They've been tipping the bottle. I mean, what, what, these people are out of it. And so in the midst of that confusion, Peter stands up and he addresses the crowd. He begins to speak. And the words that he, speak, he, he spoke were uh, from the Old Testament. There were words that the prophet Joel had spoken long before. And these are the words that, that Peter 
spoke. This is from Acts 2, verses 17 and 18. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Everybody say all. all. Okay, that's important. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Do we have any young men in the house tonight? Okay, a few. You're not very proud of that, but you'll kind of raise your hand a little bit. Your old men will dream dreams. Do we have any old men in the house tonight? Okay, you're a little more proud of that. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So we see this connection in the scriptures between God pouring out his spirit, and then the response being that the people prophesy. And that's the connection that, again, we see throughout Scripture. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon certain people, and then they would prophesy. So, for example, King Saul, in 1 Samuel 11, the, 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 the Spirit came upon him powerfully, and then he responded by prophesying. And that happened often in the Old Testament. But this is amazing. In the New Testament, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the curtain was torn in two, and the Spirit was poured out upon all believers, and now we're all invited and encouraged to prophesy. And that leads us to a really important uh, point. This is the first point, that all Christ followers should pursue the gift of prophecy. This is for all of us. Now, in 1 Corinthians Uh, chapters 12 through 14, Paul has a lot to say about spiritual gifts. And one of the themes between chapters 12 and 14 is love. Paul keeps coming back to this idea of love. He's saying when exercising spiritual gifts, love must be central. Love must be the focus. Over and over again, he talks about the importance of love. But let's read a couple verses from uh, chapter 14. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Again, the context here is the gift of prophecy for New Testament believers. That's us. So this is, this is what the scripture says. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. Now let me give you a really easy, simple definition of prophecy. All right, the definition of prophecy that we can hang on to tonight is prophecy is when God uses an ordinary person like me, like you, an ordinary person, to speak to others for the purposes of strengthening them, encouraging them, and bringing comfort to them. That's not very do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, is it, right? God is a God of encouragement, and he is always looking for people to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. And, And prophecy happens when we step into that and we engage and we participate in the process of God wanting to encourage other people through words. Now, that's one of the things that I love about God and how the kingdom operates 
is that in the kingdom, the reality is, is that we're all invited to play a part and engage and participate. God's design is not for us as men to spend our entire lives on the sideline watching others in on the action. So for those of you who, who played high school sports, how many of you guys played high school sports? So if you played high school sports, I would imagine that you know the feeling, what it feels like to stand on the sideline and watch. I know that feeling a lot. As a freshman, I weighed 115 pounds, soaking wet. And my job, uh, they still let me suit up on, on Friday night for varsity football games, but my job was to hold the clipboard. And so I would, I would chart the plays. That one went right, check, left. Strong side, check, weak side. And that was my job the whole game, is just to hold the clipboard and watch and chart the plays. Now, once in a while, the coach would yell my name. He would say, Jenkins! And my eyes would get big. And I would think, oh yeah, this is it. I'm, I'm going in. And I would run over to the coach and say, yeah, yeah, coach. And he would say, give me that clipboard. Let me see that thing. Okay, keep going. Oh, coach. Right, left, right. But eventually, there, there came the night when he called my name and he said, go in. And that feeling, you know the feeling, right? What it feels like when you're actually, for the first time, you get into the game, you get onto the court, you're looking into the eyes of your teammates, and you're like, oh, it's showtime. This is where the action is. And I love that feeling. And there's something about us as men that we, we long for that. We want to be in on the action. We don't want to be on the sideline. And that, that again, the, that's not how the kingdom works for a man to, to, to live always on the sideline watching. There is something in the heart of every man. There's this longing that's core to the heart of a man. And that, that longing is to, to know God and to participate in what God is doing on the earth. And God has planted that longing so deep within us. It's how he designed us. And the reason he put that longing in us is because that longing is in his heart, the longing for us to participate and engage and be in on the action. He calls us into the action. But will we respond? See, this is one of the keys to living a spirit-empowered life. This is really important. One of the keys is that as men, we learn to recognize what the Holy Spirit is doing, where the action is, and then we join him. We align ourselves with what God is doing, just like surfing. If you were here in January for the Spirit-Led Man course, you, you heard me talk about this analogy of surfing. When you go surfing, what do you have to do? You gotta, you gotta find the waves. You gotta find the movement of the ocean because that's where the power is. And then you have to align yourself 
with the direction of the waves, and then you've got to paddle when the timing is right. So we, you add your strength to the power of the ocean, and then if you stay in alignment with the wave, surfing happens. And that's a, that's a good picture for a spirit-empowered life. As men, we pay attention. What is God doing? What is the Holy Spirit doing? Oh, that's what he's doing. I want to come in alignment with what he's doing, and I want to add my strength to his strength, and I want to stay in alignment with that, and then we'll experience the power of the Spirit flowing through us because it's what he's doing. It's what he's wanting to do through us. Now, let me tell you one of the guaranteed places to catch some really good waves. Okay, this is, this is a guarantee. If you want to know what the Spirit is doing and where He's moving and where you can join Him, if you will wake up in the morning and you will set your mind and heart on bringing people encouragement, strengthening people, bringing people comfort, if you wake up in the morning and say, today, God, who can I, who can I encourage? Who can I strengthen? Who can I bring comfort to? You are positioned right where you need to be because I guarantee that's what God is wanting to do that day. No matter who's around you, whether it's your wife or your kids or the people you work with, that's what the, that's what the Holy Spirit is, one of the things that he's doing is wanting to, to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And so if we're looking for opportunities, we're right there. We're, we're positioned so well to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more we do this, the more we exercise this gift, the more we step out and begin to practice this, the, the more mature we'll become in the gift. Now this is, this is the second point, that the, uh, we can grow and mature in the gift of prophecy. This is something that God wants us to grow and mature in. How many of you were at the presbytery last year? So some of you may not be familiar. I, I didn't know what a presbytery was before I came to New Life, but New Life hosts this once a year, and it's called a presbytery, but Pastor Brady invites three of his really close friends in, and then they spend a couple of days speaking prophetic words over some, some people on our staff and over uh, members of the church, congregation. And it's really powerful, and it's refreshing, and it's, it's encouraging for people, but it's really quite amazing to see these guys exercise their prophetic gift because it's so evident that, that these three men have, have developed their gift over the years. They've matured the gift over the years. And so last year, my wife and I had the opportunity to, uh, to go up and, and have these three men just speak prophetically over us. And it, that was the first time uh, that we had ever had that kind of experience. Of course, we've received a lot of prophetic words, but, but not at a presbytery. And we were stunned at the accuracy of these words. These were men that we didn't know. They didn't know us. And in, in particular, one of the guys spoke a word to my wife that spoke directly to a question that she had been wrestling with regarding direction for years. And his words spoken right to her unlocked something in her that was just spectacular. I mean, it was. It was the gift of prophecy. 
used in a healthy and mature way that to my wife refreshed her, strengthened her, encouraged her, brought a great deal of comfort. And they said, now this is what what God is going to do over the next year. Well, it's been about a year and it was breathtaking to see the accuracy of what was spoken and then what ended up happening. But I look at those guys and I say, wow, that's, it's not a show. It's not like we're trying to put them on a pedestal and say, look, look at these great men of God. But it's a great example that we can all grow and mature in the gift of prophecy so that God often will speak through us to people to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. Now, the best way that we can grow and mature in the gift of prophecy is to grow in our intimacy with Jesus. I hope, I hope you'll write that down. Because if you don't catch that, maybe, maybe you're being stirred to some degree tonight. You're like, yeah, that'd be, that would be neat. I'd like to begin to operate more in that gift and, and speak life to people and encourage and strengthen and speak words from God to people. But if you don't catch the intimacy with Jesus, this is nothing more than a pep talk where you'll leave and say, okay, here we go. And you might have a couple words, but it's not sustainable. Because the, the whole point of this is that these prophetic words, this life that will come gushing out of us, it comes from a place of, of friendship and intimacy and fellowship with Jesus. That's the fountainhead that this this kind of life springs forth from. And so if we want to grow and develop our, our gifting, we need to grow and deepen our relationship with Jesus. In John chapter 7, Jesus spoke some really powerful words. And this was another example in the scripture. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of division about who Jesus was and a lot of confusion. And so in John chapter 7, Jesus stands up and in a loud voice, there's some boldness here. He's wanting to be heard as he, as he said these words. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Come to who? Jesus. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Isn't there a great deal of clarity to that statement? He's saying, okay, come to me. Believe in me. And as you come to me, rivers of living water will flow from your mouth. This is the Holy Spirit. Words of life and power will flow from your mouth as you come to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. Abide in Jesus. A few years ago, I had a, I had a good friend who invited me on a, an ATV trip. So we took these ATVs up, up the mountain, and the plan was to spend the afternoon fly fishing in this mountain lake. It was just a spectacular lake. And we're going to spend the afternoon uh, going after some trout. And so we, we started working up this trail. And about halfway to the top, my friend pulled his ATV to the side of the road. And, he's, and he just motioned to me, come, follow me. 
I didn't know where we were going, but I started to follow him, and we were kind of bushwhacking through these trees and these bushes, and eventually I said, where are we going? And he said, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Years ago, somebody who owns a property up here told me about this little secret. He said, there is a natural spring that flows from the belly of the earth, and there's a pipe connected to it, and it'll be the best water you've ever tasted in your life but we got to find it. So we continued to look and search. And so after, after a while, we found the pipe, but it was dry as a bone. It was crusty dry. And my friend looked perplexed, and he said, I, I have been coming up here for years, and this has never been dry. So we followed the pipe further up the mountain. And what we discovered is, is that the, the spring was gushing as much as ever. But the pipe had just been disconnected. And so we connected the pipe once again. And then whoo, this water started flowing. And I thought, that's a, that's a good picture of, of how it works with Jesus. Because this, this Jesus doesn't dry up, so to speak. He doesn't stop giving his spirit. He doesn't decide, okay, I'm done flowing through people and giving the spirit. But what, what, what he invites us to do is stay connected. Stay hooked up to me. Keep coming to me. In John 15, Jesus said, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branch. It's this picture, abide in me. Stay connected and as we do that, as we stay connected with Jesus, this life will spill out of us. As we stay connected with him in the scriptures and we meditate in the word of God, we're going to tune our ears to begin to recognize the sweet voice of the Holy Spirit. But it all comes back to this relationship, this friendship with Jesus. And then the second way that that we grow in the gift is we use the gift, right? I mentioned that just a little bit ago. But earlier today, uh, just a little bit ago, earlier today, my wife took our kids to play tennis at the tennis courts. And I've got a four-year-old who's got some fire in his bones. He's so competitive. I think he gets it from me. But he, he wants to win everything. And so he was, so Owen was trying to beat uh, his sisters in tennis, but he's only played a couple times. But he was getting so mad if he couldn't get the shot back over the net. To the point, it got to the point where my wife had to go over and she had to take the racket from him and say, Owen, I'm going to give you a life lesson here, okay? If you want to get good at something, it's going to take time. If you want to get good at tennis, which you've played just a couple times, you've got to practice. You've got to, you've got to be patient with it. Put in the time. And how true is that even with the gift of prophecy? If we want to grow in this gift, it's going to take time. We're going to have to be willing to take some risk and step out of the comfort zone and exercise the gift. And as we continue to do that in faith and in love, guess what? We're going to begin to develop more maturity in the gift of, of prophecy. And the more we exercise this gift, this is the last point, the more fruit we'll see in our life. Because the gift of prophecy will produce good fruit in your life and in your relationships.
It's just, it's just how it works. You know, Proverbs uh, 18, verse 21, this is, this is a powerful little verse, but how true it is. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When was the last time that you just paused and took stock of the words that you've been speaking in this season of your life? This is something that we all need to do consistently, just to take stock. What, what kind of words have I been speaking to Ashley in this season of life? What kind of words have I been speaking to Avery and Sophie and Owen? Are they words of life? Are they words of death? What kind of seeds have I been planting through my words? Because the scripture makes it clear, the seeds that we plant, that's the fruit that's going to it's going to appear. And so it's so challenging for us to say, okay, what kind of seeds am I planting? You know, earlier today, I was, I was praying over you and praying over tonight, and I really felt strongly that, that one of the things that the Holy Spirit was highlighting was that there are some guys here who are in a really tough place in your marriage. And I believe he said that there are some guys who are even considering giving up in their marriage. And it was like I felt his heart, the tenderness of his heart. Like I could feel the tenderness in the heart of God as he was saying, don't do it, don't give up. I just believe with a sense of strength that he was wanting to communicate, don't give up. But how different could a marriage look in 12 months if a man would commit to practicing this very thing with his wife? To say, okay, over the next 12 months, to my wife, I'm going to continually ask God today, how are you wanting to strengthen, encourage, and comfort my wife? And then that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to speak because the more we do that, the more those good seeds are going to be planted, and then we're going to see the good fruit of it. But you talk about a great place to exercise this very thing. This is not weird or mysterious. Again, it's just saying, okay, I believe God is really interested in encouraging my wife. And maybe you're in a tough place, and so you're probably not feeling all of the, 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 your heart's probably not fluttering. Maybe it's fluttering for different reasons. But you're probably not going to feel like doing it. But this is what I'm talking about when God says, lean in and speak life to the woman who is so dear to me, so dear to the Heavenly Father. And to our kids, I mean, what a powerful opportunity to say, God, what, are the, what, what do you want to speak over each of my children? This is something that God has led me to do. And uh, he's challenged me to do this, that each year he, he, I ask him for one word over each of my children. And I say, God, what's one word that would capture what you're doing in their life this year? So again, going back to the wave analogy, God is at work in each of my children and each of your children. And so I want that word to show me what it is. 
And then I want to stay in alignment. I want to pray that word over the child. I want to speak that word over the child. I want to look for practical opportunities to reinforce whatever that is to each of my children. And I think that's so powerful. The more and more we begin to do that, God, give me that one word for my child. Here's something else that I really sensed God highlight this afternoon when I was praying, is that there are a lot of you, you don't have young kids. Your kids are older. You have grandkids. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, do not overlook the power of your words to your adult kids. Some of the most powerful words that have ever been spoken to me didn't come when I was six or seven, came when I was 26 and 27 for my dad. As a young man wrestling with some really key questions and my dad spoke some really powerful words to me. And so how cool for, you, for some of you guys who have older, older sons and daughters to say, hey, over the next seven days, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be intentional to pray over my son. I'm going to ask God for a word to strengthen them, to encourage them, and then to, to deliver it. Maybe that will feel like it's a big step outside your comfort zone, but God will show up. He'll meet you there. And I want to close with this. I, I realize that a lot of you, this, this is a new, this is new to you, and it's okay. Be patient with it. A lot of you didn't receive this growing up from your dad. In fact, you probably received something very different. Words that were reckless, words that cut, words that pierced. But here's the good news, is that those very places in your heart that were pierced and cut by words, those are the places that the Father wants to speak to, to bring healing. He leans in. He says, I have some things that I want to speak to you, Father to Son. And I've seen this so many times as I sit with men and as I listen to stories, as I pray with men. But there was one that, that really stood out to me. And this guy was, uh, he, we was meeting with him and, uh, you know, on the surface, what he was saying is pretty common to a lot of guys. He was stressed. He was working hard trying to make his life, trying to keep his head above water, trying to provide for his family. He was dealing with some anxiety and he was having a hard time in his marriage and his, he was admittedly angry with his kids. And so we started to dig below some of that to try to discern what's really going on here. And what we uncovered is that uh, he had always been looking for a connection with his dad from the time he was young. And it, it was just elusive. He felt like no matter how hard he tried, he just, he, he couldn't attain that connection. And so when he was older, I mean, he was, he was a grown man. Uh, when he was older, he decided, I know how I'm going to get this connection. I'm going to learn how to play golf because my dad loves to play golf. And I'm going to learn how to play golf and I'm going to get good at it. And that will be 
a place that I could connect with my dad. And so he went to work learning the game of golf, practicing over and over and over again. And so he got to the point where he finally was ready to invite his dad to go and play golf with him. And so he calls him up and he said, Dad, I'd love to go play golf with you. Can we play sometime? And his dad said, Ah, son, I'm pretty busy. I just don't think I can make it happen. And those words pierced him. And he had this steely look in his eyes, a look of anger. But then that look of anger softened as tears started to cascade down his cheeks. And in that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit as clearly as I think I've ever heard him. And the Spirit said, tell him I want to play golf with him. And so I shared that with him. And initially, he looked at me like I had three heads. Like, what? That doesn't help. But we started to unpack what, what God was saying there. And it started to make a lot more sense to him that, wow, this is the nature of God. He's not this theory. He's not distant. He's so present and engaged. And so what happened is God, as his perfect father, started to speak to him. Started to speak to those places in his heart that had been cut by words. And it started to bring some amazing healing. And that's available to us. And one of the reasons that's important is because, yeah, we're, we're called to speak encouragement and, and prophesy to others. But we can't lose sight of the reality that God wants to speak to us too. He wants to speak to some places in our own heart. And so that's what we're going to, we're going to just carve out a, a few minutes here before we go into the table discussions. And what we're going to do is we're going to put on some music and we're just going to have some, some still time where we listen. And again, I recognize this may be a stretch for some of you, but remember what I said last week. If this is all about information, we've missed it. This is, there's got to be an experiential component of this because that's who God is. He's the God that leans in. He says, I've got some things that I want to speak to you. And so here's a question that I, I think this is one of the most important questions as a man we could ask God. There's a lot of important questions, but this is, this is near the top of the list. Say, God, what do you say about me as a man? God, what do you say about me as a man? And isn't that a vulnerable question? I mean, I can just feel you. It's like you, you ask the question that's like bracing and like covering up. But I can tell you this, man, that if you hear or think anything condemning, that is not God. It's not. He's the God that speaks strength. He's the God that names you as you really are, not as the accuser names you. And so, again, this is something that uh, 
we take our time with it, right? This is not like, okay, I'm going to go on Wednesday night, ask the question, I'll be done with the question. No, but what I hope happens is that I present the question tonight. I'm going to take just a few minutes here in stillness, just listening to the Holy Spirit. And then as you go home tonight, tomorrow, the next day, next week, you'll continue to ask. You'll continue to lean in and let God speak to you about who you are as a man and how he sees you. All right, so uh, just write where you're at. You're, if you have something that you want to write down, you can, there's, there's notes right there. There's, there's pens. Uh, if there's another question that you've been seeking an answer on and say, God, I really need to hear God, I mean, you can ask him whatever you want. But we're going to take just about five minutes here and just practice this very thing we're talking about, leaning in and listening to the Holy Spirit. So, God, we thank you that you are a God who is so near. You are good to the core. And everything you speak is good to the core. Thank you that we have confidence that you are not a condemning God. You're not a God who accuses. You're not a God who belittles. You're a God who heals. You're a God who speaks life and strength. So Father, open our ears to hear you. And we recognize that you're with us and among us. And so just take some time right where you're at. Get comfortable and Let's listen to Jesus.
you said that your sheep will recognize your voice. Your sheep will hear you speak and will follow the sound of your voice. And so more and more, as your followers, as your men, teach us to grow in our ability just to hear your voice. God, give us prophetic words to speak over the people that we love and care about. Give us boldness to courage and courage to step in to those places and to deliver those words in love. And to see you, God, do amazing things in us and through us. In Jesus' name. just want to give uh, just one closing word here before we transition to the tables and wrap things up but uh, I know some of you had that time and your mind was you try to listen and your mind would go over here then you come back and say no I'm supposed to be listening and your mind went over here I know what that's like that happens to me too but here's what that doesn't mean if you didn't hear anything what it doesn't mean is that something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean that God is not interested in speaking to you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Just be patient. Be careful not to take that lie to say, oh, he doesn't want to speak to me. Everybody else? Yes, but not me. No, 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 no. All people. Okay? And so... Let's just continue to lean in and be patient. Continue to come back to Jesus and listen. So on your, on your tables, there's questions, and we'll dismiss at, uh, I'll come back up at 8.05 to dismiss. And I encourage you at your table, before you guys wrap up, to have a time of prayer. Just, it, it may feel vulnerable, but just to say, hey, this is how I'd like some guys to be praying for me. And uh, Close out your table time by, by praying for one another. And if God gives you a word to strengthen, encourage, and comfort somebody, yeah, give it. And uh, then, I'll, again, I'll come up and dismiss us at 8.05.